0: back. We're back in this bitch. Another podcast for that ass. Another grito. Se ha dicho. Estamos listo para continuar. I don't really know where else to go with it. <laughs> I was just freestyling in a little bit of Spanish for those of you, the many of you, um, trying to toot my own horn here, humbly so, respectfully so, and you know, respect to you for doing so, uh, who are not listening from anywhere near a Spanish-speaking country and have no idea what the fuck i just said all i'm saying is like what's good bro we back up in this motherfucker ready for another podcast we done we done said this shit already that's like very roughly translated what i'm saying when i say it like that is that let's do this shit yo the fuck i started the year saying we weren't going to be going this long without a fucking podcast and yet you already know your boy you know that shit wasn't gonna last for very long but i'm fucking still here yo i'm still here just like the little oldie song goes you know what i'm saying. I'm gonna keep rocking these bitches however fucking long it takes me to pump them out because you know what, dog? Time, anyways, like I've already discussed before, it's an illusion, homeboy. It doesn't exist. It's not real. And even if it is real, we exist on an entirely different timeline than what most of us in the Western Christian world really believe time to be. And when I say we, of course, I mean the now what and the peoples like us that I've associated myself with. You know what I mean? Um, this actually gets into a little bit. I before, let's... I have, like, this whole fucking podcast spiel ready to lined up and ready to go. um. So I'm trying to jump into it with a little bit of the fucking... A little bit of the business. Let's handle a little bit of the business, first and foremost. Yeah? And the first and most important thing, of course, being that... If you haven't already, follow your boy. OG underscore Ice Nice 13 on the gram. You'll find me along something the same lines on, you know, other social medias. But the gram is primarily above all. Okay? Um... Yeah, and the next thing, of course, I just want to, you know, a friendly reminder. I know I've talked about it before on the podcast, but I definitely did post it on the gram. Um, I'm slowly but surely. My words aren't working right now. Sorry, it's been that long since I've communicated through this form. Um, as I've already stated before on this podcast for sure, but also recently on social media, I'm slowly but surely making my way to starting to seek to monetize this bitch a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Whether it be through products such as t-shirts uh, mugs and all that kind of shit, but also through, you know, trying to perhaps make some coins off the podcast as well, It's going to come in the near future, uh, through the old, I was going to say OnlyFans, it's not OnlyFans, bro, it's Patreon, okay, I'm going to be showing my fucking, my, my lovely gentleman parts in order to try to monetize my ass, you know what I mean, but I will be trying to start sharing the podcast in hopes of doing so through a Patreon, where I'll also be offering exclusive content and the like, right, so with that in mind, we'll get right into the fucking podcast itself, Uh, We're going to be talking, I was trying to talk about time traveling, dog, right? This is like actually a little bit of a segue segue into the podcast, the time traveling element, you know what I mean? it's just, I was going through some posts recently and I realized just how often I talk about like time traveling and how I'm from the future and all that kind of shit. And I I don't know if I've really ever talked about why that is the case. And you know, the answer is simple, bro. I actually posted just today on social media, on the gram, um, a video that was talking about how scientists recently said that they were able to establish communication with people in a lucid dream state, which is fucking hilarious to me because, realistically, this is exactly what the Nahuatl have been telling us this entire time when they're saying that, yo, when we sleep, it's the same as our waking consciousness. There is no distinction between the two. You know what I mean? Our uh, tonali is simply uh, going up and reaching off into the ancestral world, if you will, whereas gaining knowledge that, according to the Nahuatl, is just as fucking relevant as the knowledge that we gain here in this everyday waking reality that we call life. You know what I'm saying? So um, I just, you know, when we talk about time traveling, what I'm trying to say then is that like, it's taken the fucking European Christian world 500 years to get to this point. And even then it's still not widely accepted. It's still considered like fucking taboo, if you will, even. Uh, it's considered fucking, it's nonsense in the scientific community. You know what I mean? Because they haven't done the work necessary for them to justify it completely, which is going to take an extended period of time, you know, through the scientific process and all that kind of shit. And then maybe at some point in the future, if like we continue along this Western Christian tradition uh, lineage, maybe they'll get to the point when they say, yes, this is exactly what happens when people sleep. And whoever, who, who knows how long that's going to be, right, in the future from, from now, right? But if the Nahuatl were already there, what I'm trying to tell you then is that, yo, like, they're obviously in the future in terms of these ideas. Like, they've already, they've already they've been there, you know what I'm saying? And this Western Christian world is just slowly catching up to where they were. So that's kind of a little bit of what I mean when I say that I'm time traveling, dog. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to sound like an actual literal fucking time traveler, though maybe you never know, right? (laughs) But what I'm saying is like, I I understand how it could be considered, be construed, if you will, as the rantings of a lunatic. And I'm okay with that because it's, again, it's not in the physical sense. It's more in terms of where our mindset is, right? This growth and this abundance, this joy, this quote unquote five-dimensional mindset. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what I'm saying with like this Nahuatl. It's like, yo, their mindset was in a fucking world completely advanced of where we're currently going. I feel currently where we're going, right? In terms of this more monistic approach to reality as opposed to the dualistic one that is currently prominent in the Western Christian world, right? Now, um, with that in mind, <laughs> um, the reason I bring it up is because I'm going to be talking about, as we continue this philosophical journey, uh, today's podcast is going to be a little bit of an indigenous lens, right? Um <laughs> And it starts off then with, you know, giving a little shout out, if you will, to this fucking indigenous ancestral tradition that I've immersed myself in. And that is the knowledge of the Nawa, right? Um, And that is, you know, just to properly acknowledge what it is that, you know, not, not only discussing, but the importance of doing so, bro. And the importance of doing so, I personally feel at least, has been revealed to me to be that of me. My purpose here being to share this knowledge in hopes of healing so I give it a, a shout out for two reasons then, the first of which being like, this is where the knowledge came from. I'm not trying to take credit for it. Like, I'm not saying I'm unique and special and contributing something that's never been spoken of into the universe, right? Like, this is all this is all knowledge that exists entirely independent of me. But more importantly, to, you know, situate this podcast and exactly what it is that I'm doing, you know, with what not just this podcast, but all the work that is, that I find myself engaged in recently. And that is, of course, trying to spread this knowledge in hopes that doing so is going to help heal anyone who needs to hear this message in a way that, you know, they've just not been able to do given the frameworks that have been available to them at this point. Maybe it's the uh, American framework, or maybe it's just a broader uh, Christian European framework as a whole. Whatever the case might be, uh, what I'm saying is that there are some people, there are some brown people who will get upset and they'll be like, you're appropriating our culture. I'm not one of them, dog, Right. In fact, those motherfuckers accuse me of appropriating culture to which I say, fuck off, okay? But me personally, I'm not one of those brown people that says, you can't fuck with this knowledge because it's not your indigenous knowledge, and thus you're appropriating it. Like, nah, dog, this Nawa knowledge, I believe, is capable of saving the fucking world, bro. I've talked about it before, and it's not just this one. I'm not trying to say, like, this is the only one. I'm sure there's many, many other traditions out there as well that ha- have potential the, the potential, like the Nawa one, to make this world a better place. Right. So I'm sharing it in the hopes then that doing so will help be just a little bit of the impetus that is going to help situate our world into that direction, which, again, I personally feel that we are heading. I see it everywhere, bro. Social media, the news, all that kind of shit. They want to inundate us with this false knowledge that leads us to believe that the world is fucking falling apart. And I'm not saying that it isn't, but I'm saying that life will continue even after the decline and perhaps uh, inevitable collapse of the American empire. That's what's falling apart. This Western Christian world, that's what's falling apart, as I've been discussing repeatedly throughout these last couple of podcasts, okay? But life as a whole is going to continue unabated, dog. And part of the process then is to, you know, it's not that I'm, I'm not trying to expedite this process per se, but even though that might sound like to run slightly contradictory to what I've said in previous podcasts. But I'm saying, like, again, in hopes of building these better worlds, bro, I'm trying to provide through this podcast through the Nahua philosophy and all the other projects that I'm engaged in, you know, the knowledge that'll help in that process. So, again, I'm not one of those fucking people that's going to say, like, no, you can't have this knowledge because you're not a fucking Mexican person or whatever the case might be. Like, fuck no, dog. I welcome everybody and anybody that advises what I'm saying to, like, come along, you know, and, you know, give me your knowledge that you have of your ancestral tradition that varies from that of mine. And let's work towards fucking utilizing them both to build this fucking greater story for humanity. And it is there with our key word being, of course, story. Because stop me if you've heard this before, homie, but the truth about stories is they're all we fucking got, okay? (laughs) And it's in this podcast then that I want to actually finally for the first time in fucking six, seven episodes, however long it's been, six, this will be 56, right? To explain to you exactly what I mean by that in further detail, right? I know I've, I've said it before, right? But I'm really going to try to get into it today, right? The truth about stories, this native storytelling method, okay? Um, is basically just to preempt everything that we're told that, you know, Zizek, for instance, came up with, with his ideas of ideology. That Kant came up with through this fucking transcendental uh, 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 idealism. It's not fucking true. All right, sorry about that. For those of you who are watching on the video, you'll notice that uh, I'm wearing a fucking sweatshirt now. Uh, for those of you who are watching the video and even more astute eyed, you'll notice that, you know, I, I've i recently updated my digs, okay? And uh, you'll also know for those of you that aren't just watching on the video, right? But um, who are listening just voice only, that for, you know, if you've been keeping up with the news about Texas where your boys stay, we're <laughs> in, in the middle of a fucking uh, Snowmageddon, if you will. Actually, we're not in the middle no more. This shit ended last week. It's part of the reason why I didn't fucking drop this podcast last week because. And circling back to the previous comment about, for those of you eagle-eyed astute listeners, you'll notice that my digs have changed, and part of the fucking drawback to my change in digs is that I'm no longer in an insulated room as I was before, so when that snowmageddon hit, your boy was fucking, it was, you know, I like to consider myself as A, a fan of the cold, and also B, um, you know, enlivened by the cold, I feel like as though I'm, br- I'm brought to life by the cold, okay, and as much as I want to fucking believe that, I'm still a fucking desert boy at heart. Okay. So I didn't drop the podcast last week because it was cold as fuck. It was literally snowing and my, you know, my new digs aren't as insulated as the previous one. So, you know, I just, it wasn't going to happen. And even now, we're still in the middle of winter, but we're on the heels of this fucking winter storm and I'm still fucking cold. Right. So maybe I'm, I had this grand vision of moving to Chicago. Maybe I'm going to have to put that on the back burner for just a little bit until I acclimate a little bit better to the cold. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, that's just a bit of an aside to what it is that I was talking about before I took the quick little break. And that is, again, the fucking stories, the stories that we tell each other. They are, again, simply put, the way that they're the programming, essentially, that we interface with reality. They're the lenses by which we view reality. There are various different types of metaphors to be able to explain exactly what they are. But at the core, they are the way that we just basically describe reality okay everything that we know about reality comes to us in a story form right and i've been saying this repeatedly throughout the duration throughout this you know the introduction part to this podcast series that i got going on in an attempt to set up today's particular podcast okay um just a quick reiteration this podcast is fucking born on the heels of my response personally to jordan peterson so i'm going to be mentioning him him and as well as what it is that you know has informed his story throughout the duration of his episode okay so um Actually, before I continue, this is one of the reasons. Just you know, just to situate this context, uh, just to situate this podcast, just to contextualize this podcast even further. It's part of the reason why I've been focusing so much on Nietzsche in the previous episodes, and that is because um, I personally find Nietzsche to be. You know, I'm sure there's other philosophers as well. Maybe I'm just not familiar with them. Definitely, other people that unfortunately, just because of the way you know life works, not everyone knows everyone ever, <laughs> right? So maybe there are many European thinkers and uh, perhaps even people living now who feel uh, who are like Nietzsche but just don't get the fucking uh the credit that he does and thus aren't as well known to us okay who okay there we go um again part of the insulation issues with my new fucking digs you know what i'm saying but i'll get this shit squared away i'll get it hammered out and hopefully i mean i'm, I'm assuming it hasn't been too much of an issue hopefully not But hopefully that does, you know, I'll still be able to make it in such a way where it's not too many distractions going on, right? Anyways, the point that I was trying to say is that Nietzsche and I'm sure other people as well, I find them to be these thinkers that have been able to transcend this very, you know, dogmatic, limiting even European lens and have slowly started to make their way towards the quote unquote future, dog, where I feel like many Nahuatl, well, the Nahuatl in general, but many other indigenous and non-European philosophies have been, you know, this entire time. Now, I should qualify this, bro, by saying that I'm not saying this to just fucking talk shit, all right, just needlessly talking shit about European people because or Christianity, because let's just let let's give the devil its due, yo. And the truth is, the fucking European Western Christian culture has contributed a lot of shit to society. Like it'd be fucking stupid to dismiss it, okay? And what they've, you know, what they've what they've given the world. It might have come in a very fucking Detrimental cost, it might have come at a cost that has directly influenced, impacted rather me and many millions of <laughs> hundreds of millions of people like me, right? Billions realistically around the world. Um, but you know, this is gonna be a part of the podcast that I'm gonna talk about in greater detail. I've dropped the podcast before about it, which was actually my lecture about Hegel talking about the slaughter bench of Hish and you know, all that kind of shit. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to say that I condone it, because obviously I don't, but in the interest of full fucking disclosure for this podcast series. That topic is going to come up and, you know, at the end of the day, I try to consider myself as fucking impartial when it comes to delivering philosophy as possible, which means that I'm going to delve further into that particular topic and how, you know, the argument is made that without this quote unquote slaughter bench of history, we wouldn't be where we're at today full disclosure, I don't agree. Okay. I completely disagree because again, starting with the future, imagine where if if the Nahuatl were already where they were 500 years ago, where they would be now had they continued along uninterrupted. Right. But the point is like, inevitably that's going to come up and I'm going to make the argument for it. Right. Um, so before the reason I mentioned is because yo, again, like as I started, as I started, started this podcast with, there's more fuckers who are listening to this shit who aren't, fucking indigenous brown people you know and i understand some of them are even fucking they're white people you know european people so i i qualify because again it's not to talk shit it's not to fucking like belittle you i'm not trying to be an ethnocentrist in any way shape or form i talk shit i make jokes right but that's it should be understood less of as a fucking personal attack i hope all right if i've established the report like i'm holding my heart list for those of you who are listening only because i sincerely mean this um, I hope that I've established the rapport already with you that would you know lead you to agree with me, uh, or believe at least believe me when I say that you know what I mean. And if I haven't, and if maybe you're just tuning in, I, I assure you, like at the, at the base of this we're going to find here shortly is a critique of love. It's a loving critique, is what we refer to it in the, in the in the in the pedagogy business. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't qualify because I'm not trying to alienate you. If you are you know one of these European Christian folks, I'm just letting it be known, like yo, there's alternatives that aren't and don't believe anything, that aren't like yours and don't believe anything it is that you do. And, be, that, you know, the biggest problem has been thus far is that y'all ain't trying to hear that. <laughs> Your ancestors weren't trying to hear that, right? That's how the fucking indigenous Holocaust of my ancestors took place. And we're trying to move past that. Again, that's fucking famine thinking, third dimensional mentality bullshit that we're trying to move beyond, okay? So again, it's my open invitation in attempt to, you know, bridge this divide as fucking, you know, painful as it's going to be and our ability to do so, Okay. So with that little fucking long-winded qualification out the way again, I personally find this Nietzschean character to be what I refer to as the future because he's got a lot of sentiments that fucking reverberate with what it is, you know, uh, that the Nahuatl we're talking about. And he's going to reveal to us a lot of the internal inconsistencies that forces European peoples to admit like, yo, God is dead and this is not good for you all. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Or not just European people, but Christian folks as well. Um, now, of course, the problem has been, the problem has been is that, unfortunately, Nietzsche said it himself, okay, just to further qualify it because, you know, I'm not trying to be ethnocentrist and shit, but unfortunately, y'all still ain't trying to hear this shit. This happened during the fucking Enlightenment era, and like Nietzsche predicted, it's going to be fucking hundreds of years in the future before people really come to terms with what this what this exactly means, right? Um, and this is where we are now, like in the Christian Western future, right? <laughs> But we're here now, the future that Nietzsche was talking about. Um, and he's, the same problem is going on. you got these fuckheads like Jordan Peterson, again, a recurring theme throughout this lecture series, who would prefer to uphold the facade, right? The, the facade here being that God isn't dead, the Western Christian world is doing just fine. Because um, the alternative, of course, is to admit the failings of modernism and you know let go of the myth of white superiority. Now, I'm not saying that all Jordan Peterson fans... Are up. I don't want to be too militant, dog. I don't want to be that fucking guy, right? Um, that fucking guy being like, it, it's the inner workings of postmodernism, as I'm going to discuss as this podcast series begins to unfold. They're going to want to have you believe, and this is why you see people now who are posting about it that these institutions are what perpetuates this evil. And the people that take part in this, uh, uh, in, in these institutions, even if they don't have the desire to do so, they're doing so because that's what the institution is built upon, right? So I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy, okay? Because I'm not really a postmodernist. I have a lot of postmodern, uh, postmodernist inclinations, but I'm not a fucking postmodernist, dog, okay? I've already mentioned this before. I'm a fucking Nahuatl, right? The Nahuatl philosophy predated even postmodernism as we understand here today. But at the same time, like there's a little bit of truth when you say that. Just by supporting someone you're upholding whatever it is that they stand for, and whether it's me or whether it's fucking any other person on this planet, historically, present, and in the future. The truth is that we're you know when we support them, whether tacitly or you know uh, uh explicitly we're 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 kind of enabling them okay so I'm not trying to say that all Jordan Peterson fans necessarily are upholding this myth of white superiority, but Y'all ain't helping, okay? Y'all ain't fucking helping, is <laughs> what I'm trying to say. To try to be as politically correct about this as possible, right? This fucking political correct bullshit got me dancing around in fucking circles. It is what it is, bro. You know, like I said, I'm coming, from you from, I'm coming to you from the heart. I'm not trying to be an ethno-nationalist, but at one point or another, you're going to have to realize that this world that we're living in is no bueno and that a better world is possible. But we're not going to be able to get there until y'all admit the failings of this world, which are predicated and deeply rooted in the myth of white supremacy right um and then from there we can move on to another thing that y'all can admit and that is that alternatives despite what the fuck jordan peterson is trying to fucking psycho babble his way through do exist this is a little bit of the post post-modern, uh modernist uh lens that i do have right um the, the, the competing epistemologies, the competing ontologies which is just again a fancy way of saying the different ways that other people see the fucking world dog whether it be a Nahuatl person whether it be a fucking, you know, an actual Indian person from the subcontinent of Southeast Asia, whether it be someone living in fucking, uh you know, in Spain, in England, wherever the fuck it is that you're located. Like, you, everyone has a different fucking story, bro. And these stories compete with one another in order to be able to, you know, gain the strength necessary to ensure their continued survival. This is why in the previous podcast and in a forthcoming podcast where I delve deeper into it, I talk about these ideas as fucking, as, you know, this, this is like a fucking, what is that? Toxoplasma type shit that infects people and it just has them acting out as their fucking wills, you know, without the person's even self-conscious reflection, right? But that's kind of what it means with a competing epistemology. Jordan Peterson and company, the modernists, will have you believe like, yo, there's only one. It's this modernist logic and this is what it is because this is why it is because God and all that kind of shit, right? To which the answer is like, no, you're going to have to let that go home, boy. like, there's competing fucking stories out there, right? And the truth about stories is, They're seriously all we fucking got. And obviously, as I've mentioned before, the one that we've got now, you see it. You see the fucking world unfolding. You see the Western world collapsing before in in real time, okay? So what are we gonna do? Like, we're just gonna ride this bitch till the fucking wheels fall off? Or are we gonna start thinking about alternatives? Because I don't know about you, but me personally... You know, if this shit does fucking hit the fan, I would like for something to already be established that we could be like, oh, we're good though because we're just like the butterfly, baby. It might have seemed catastrophic, but realistically, we were just fucking preparing ourselves to give birth to something even greater than it was than we were before, right? So this is where we get against the competing epistemologies, which is anything, it's anything but a problem, honestly, in indigenous thought. Now, in fact, not only does... The ideas of competing epistemologies fit right in within many different indigenous stories, as I've said before with the fucking quote, which is Nahuatl for, is this the only truth on earth, right? Um, as far as the Nahuatl are concerned, specifically, this idea of the overman, the pinnacle of Nichian thought, was realistically, bro, again, this is the, fu- the future forward thinking shit, it was nothing more than, you know, <laughs> the average mode of being for Nahuatl warrior scholars, bro. This is what Nietzsche wanted, for people to be able to overcome the pit of nihilistic despair that the Western world, in light of the death of God, had collapsed into. This was not a fucking problem for the Nahuatl. Why? Because, again, as I've mentioned before in the previous uh, episode of the podcast, The Fifth Sun, they were monist, homie, and they felt themselves as intimately intertwined with the unfolding of de- with the unfolding of reality. So every single Nahuatl conceived, I don't want to say every single, I'm not trying to be fucking, you know, I'm not trying to be reductive but um their their worldview, their cosmo their their their, their ontology rather uh had them feeling like, yo, everything, every person is intimately in- involved with the unfolding of reality, and because of that, our actions do fucking matter, and we should you know direct them in such a way where we can continue to bring about abundance on our behalf, right? Um, and this is kind of the, this is the idea that Nietzsche's trying to get to, like, yo, you don't need religion, you don't need Christianity, you don't need society. To give your life meaning, purpose, and value. Like, your life has meaning and purpose and value. The responsibility is upon you to fucking own that shit and make something of it. You know what I mean? Um, so, this idea then of the competing epistemologies, it reveals itself to us through this fucking, you know, this this specific example. Does not what warrior scholars like, yo. <laughs> this is, again, why I made a point of emphasizing it that while Nietzsche's not necessarily concerning himself with the physical expression of power, it's why I did. And just as a quick aside, but uh, the, the point here being with the competing epistemologies then is like, you have this idea that was already fucking established long before Nietzsche was even born, right? And it's existing along the same exact time, the same exact time as all the ideas that Western Christian peoples had of the world. But it was operating in such a way where the two worlds were like, they were like little magnets. They were just fundamentally opposed to one another. But the irony being is that they didn't really know about each other right so it's not like the two magnets are aware of each other but if inevitably if you press the magnets closely enough right you will be able to get at least close enough where they make a little bit of contact and it's in this space where one uh, one of the world can potentially you know merge in if you will to one of the other world and you know that reveals to us then it's like oh shit like this whole time this whole time i've felt as though the world was only this one particular way but now that I've bumped heads, if you will, with this competing world, I'm realizing like, yo, there's another concurrent competing world that is going on at the same exact time as this world that I'm living in. And it's possible then for not only to you know work your way through the two worlds to navigate you. I'm talking very highly abstract shit. I hope I'm doing a good enough mental job. I'm, you know, for those of you who are listening, only for those of you watching on video, I'm trying, even with physical expression of body language, right, to convey the idea where it's possible for people to you know, kind of like a wormhole, go through from one world to the other, right? From one past to the present, if you will, to continue along the analogy from one future to the past, even, and you know, find our ways in a different world that could potentially be better for the one than the one that it is that we're currently in. So when I'm talking about like, yo, building better worlds, like realistically, what I should be saying is helping facilitate the wormhole from this Western Christian world, to this fucking, uh, you know, Nahuatl world where it has been in complete competition with the entire time, but we've been socialized in such a way where we're not really encouraged to, you know, to interact, right? So when it, uh, when it boils down to Nietzsche then, as futuristic again as he was, all he really did was break through this fucking little, you know, this little magnetic divide, if you will. He overcame. He was able to overcome the limits of the Western Christian world and enter into this already established indigenous world, from whence much of his thought in pra- and practice, uh, and or rather, from which uh, much of his thought was already in practice. Okay. Now, um, this idea, I'll just in the interest of full disclosure, it was it came to me as I was reading this book, "The Truth About Stories," uh, by an indigenous author named Thomas King. Okay. Um. It's one of my favorite books, you know, like just ever. So, (laughs) for those of you who have ever thought to yourself, or for those of you who have actually, you know, gone through with it, the idea of messaging me, like, yo, like, what do you, what do you suggest I read? Like, I'm interested in, you know, some potential reads. I always recommend this book. Inevitably, at one point or another, like, I'll start, I have like a list, you know, that I start with. But inevitably, for those who, you know, continue along, this book always fucking comes up. Okay. And the reason being is because just how personally important it was to not only the formation of my ideas as a whole. But you know, I believe how important it is to helping you know facilitate and develop, if you will, this little wormhole that's going to bridge us from the Western Christian world to the more you know indigenous world, right? And you know, this so like a quick summary then this work of this work is this dude Thomas King. He's explaining to us basically uh, the role that stories have played in colonization. Because the truth about stories is they're all we fucking got. Okay, so he's gonna. This is the name of his book. <laughs> he's going to explain this to us by, you know, viewing it through the lens of colonization specifically, and the ensuing survival of the indigenous peoples of Turtle Island. So, another break. My apologies. <laughs> Let's get back to it, right? Um, what this fucking king character is talking about, yo, is he's going to speak of the role, the uh, uh, the importance of the role of stories, how they play in again grounding and shaping our understanding of reality. Indirectly inferring that without stories, such as those that we tell ourselves, or that we tell ourselves rather about the origin of humans, like Adam and Eve for Christians and shit, we're kind of just thrown into the world without an understanding of what life in reality is. This is the whole Jizjek metaphor that I keep bringing up to you, where he's in that book, where he's uh, talking about the Titanic, rather, uh, in that documentary. Right? And he's asking himself, what am I doing in a raft out in the middle of the ocean? Like, this is what he's talking about. That's you without a fucking story to ground your reality, without an origin story to tell you where you've come from, where your ancestors come from. That's all of us. Okay? So he's talking how, like, these stories are important, man, because they are what fucking help navigate and shape your understanding of reality. You could see a little bit of the postmodernism uh, emerging rather... Uh, yeah, let's say the postmodernism is emerging through indigenous thought, meaning that indigenous thought is the ground is the foundation for it, and it allows postmodernism comfortably to fit within it, right? Um, because he's telling you it's like obviously there's more than one story out there. We all have different fucking stories. There's even different different fucking stories of the, the Western Christian world, like that's you know that's the competing epistemologies that I was talking about, right? And they're important then because they shape they ground your understanding of reality. So. Inherent in this, then, is the importance of language, right? You start to realize, like, how important language is because language articulates and thus shapes your understanding of reality, right? So that's a little bit of the, the postmodernism emerging there, okay? Um, anyways, uh, this language, then, it becomes of importance when we understand how not only do they shape the stories, but they shape and influence the formation of identities, okay? Okay. Now, in both of these instances, these power dynamics that are engaged and enforced in order to appeal to or perhaps even maintain the narrative of the story that is driving the actions of the parties involved, this often comes with a detrimental effect. So what I mean by that is like you think this Jordan Peterson character, for instance, like, you know, that regulating language is this fucking authoritarian approach to just trying to fucking... I don't know. Help usher in the fucking death knell of a world that's already crumbling long before this, okay? But it's not, bro. Like this is what they're saying. They're saying is like, yo, language. Is, I mean, you don't. You might not think it. You might not agree with it. You might not want to have to refer to people by all fucking seventy-six different gender pronouns and all that kind of shit, right? But at the very least, you have to admit that language is fucking important, okay? Because it shapes your reality, right? Um, It it, it informs the stories that influence the the formation of people's identities, okay? And inherent in this is these fucking power dynamics that are engaged in and they are enforced in order to either, again, appeal to an already established story or to maintain the narrative of the story that is, you know, again, the driving force behind the actions of any person who finds themselves living within this story, irrespective of how detrimental doing so may be for the collective whole of humanity right so king is then speaking to us and about the importance of these stories and he's noting how before science even bro this is what he's saying is like this is how important stories are not only is science told to us in story form but even before science these stories they were all that we had to explain the world that we're living in And how even after science becomes an established field of study, again, this information is accrued and delivered via story form. Scientific reading, kind of fucking boring. Not the fucking most fun story to read if you're not into that kind of shit, but it's a story nonetheless, right? Now, um, this is an important shift because it introduces the way then that this European understanding of stories was used as a colonizing force to justify the treatment The mistreatment of Amerindians, bro. Now, specifically, uh, the initial European colonizers, they assumed that since the peoples of Turtle Island did not utilize... This is more of the postmodernism, right? Which I I don't even have to... I hope I don't have to fucking qualify it, but it's going to come up through his podcast series, a deep dive into postmodernism, right? Anyways, uh, this is where the importance of stories and language and the fucking alphabet because stories are informed by language and this language is articulated in three-dimensional space by alphabets, right? It's structured by an alphabet. More importantly, right, it's written out in alphabetic form, but it's structured by the alphabets. The fundamental building blocks of language is an alphabet, okay? So yes, even the fucking alphabet is important when it comes to this kind of shit. You might be listening to this and be like, really, motherfucker? you talking about the fucking alphabet right now? Like, yes, dog. That's how fucking important this shit is. You know what I mean? Um, So what he's telling us is then that these European folk, they came here to, Tur- to, Tur- to Turtle Island and they're like, yo, these motherfuckers here, they're not even using the alphabet. And thus, they must be fucking barbaric and uncivilized because according to European people, the alphabet is a peak fucking advancement in human culture and history, namely the ability to take that alphabet and write books, like literal, actual, physical books, okay? Um, in this physical form, right? And because the indigenous peoples didn't have that these European folk, they considered them illiterate and thus inferior, right? And if they were inferior, that meant, according to Christians, that they were subject, uh, the subject rather of evil and that they must be either vanquished or converted to a more quote-unquote civilized and quote-unquote modern understanding of reality, which is complete fucking bullshit, bro, because it completely discounts the role of language and stories and even the fucking alphabet, bro. That indigenous people clearly had. The one key difference was many, many indigenous cultures, they didn't fucking rely on the written text to preserve and convey their stories. They relied instead on the spoken word. They relied on, drum roll please, fucking stories, bro. They relied on the stories that they were told, stories that were at one point or another developed and repeated through fucking millennia. In order to convey an understanding of reality. And these stories inevitably went on to take the form of legal systems, moral systems, fucking um, historical uh, contracts, all kinds of shit. You know what I'm saying? And this is what uh, King is going to proceed to tell us. It's like already you have the existence of two competing worlds. On the first world, you have one that only considers that which is fucking written down on paper you know, as official and, you know, a, a true story. And then you have another competing world at the same time and saying like, no, the spoken word is just as fucking important, if not more so than anything that is preserved on a book and fucking put up on a dusty ass bookshelf for people to never read ever again, right? So kind of what this king character is talking about, you know, he's going to go on and talk about how uh, the oral traditions that sustained indigenous peoples like the Nahuatl, Okay on Turtle Island long before European contact, as well as how written and preserved stories, you know, or rather I should say, uh, this oral tradition, like it's not inferior, bro. It's every, in fact, the the written word is what I was trying to say here, but I got mixed up in my words, is just as fucking suspect as the spoken word and getting lost in history, okay? Just like, you know, the burning of the Library of Alexandria, okay? And I guess to a more painful extent the, Az- the aztec the mexica tenoca calmecax right anyways the point that i'm trying to stay here is like this king dude is going to tell us that despite the events of the past 500 years here on turtle island change can be made and how does this fucking change occur with the inevitability of changing the stories that we tell to explain our reality it's at this point here where we take what well at least what i consider to be um, <laughs> a little bit of a, a twist, if you will, in the story that I'm telling so far, and that is conspiracies and Jordan Peterson, okay? <laughs> it's a little wrinkle in the story that I'm going to continue giving as soon as I'm done with this, right? Um, but the one thing that both of these stories have in common, right, is that they're both telling stories. Conspiracies are telling their own story. Jordan Peterson is telling his own story, okay? And... um Sorry, give me one second. Here we go. (laughs) Uh, Honestly, when it comes to Jordan Peterson, dog, his whole spiel is nothing more than this grand conspiracy, right, of some overarching demonic force, which because, surprise, surprise, the truth about stories, right, is that they destroy their imaginative function, right? So what I'm trying to state here is that this Jordan Peterson character, dog, he's trying to downplay the importance of stories, the oral tradition. It's one of the things that he talked about on the Jordan Peterson podcast, on the Joe Rogan podcast, rather, where he was trying to dismiss, to attempt to dismiss this indigenous Canadian uh, woman who, who wrote her dissertation in indigenous form. And he, he, he like went off on this whole spiel about, can you imagine, this is how low the standards are in academia, that they're allowing people to fucking engage in their oral traditions and pass that off as a dissertation. This is a clear dismissal of this fucking competing world That is just as viable and that is just as fucking important as that of its written European Christian counterpart. And honestly, dog, that's just some straight bullshit, right? He's going to use this as fucking, just as one of the many examples against Western values, okay? And it's going to be, you know, (laughs) a revolt against the two. And, you know, it's just completely uninformed bullshit on his behalf. Like, that's the conspiracy, bro. The conspiracy is there is no war against christianity there is no war against christians there is no war against the western world or against white people there is just a world that has always existed that survived the fucking holocaust bro that is bumping into now and in a way that you can't fucking avoid the world that you've comfortably been living in for the entirety of your fucking life and it's slowly starting to seep in okay it's kind of like that for those of you who watch sabrina It's where the void is slowly making its way. Now, I don't want to say the void because that gives a negative connotation to the indigenous world, right? But there's these fucking different universes, these different planes of existence. You have heaven, hell, and earth, right? And Sabrina. And they start, you know, they start collapsing upon one another because of, you know, the the fucking terrors and all that kind of shit. Um, But that's kind of what's happening here. You have this world that is threatening, if you will. (laughs) We'll use their language. That's their language. I don't think it's threatening, Right uh this christian western world and they see it as this grand fucking conspiracy to overthrow them but it's it's not a conspiracy like this world has always existed if anything y'all just push that shit to a side and put up this fucking barrier you built a wall trying to divide yourself between it right to try to quote unquote keep yourself safe but the wall's been fucking destroyed and this world on the weight of just how beneficial it is is slowly starting to seep into this world okay okay um, and the conspiracy then is this idea that it's fucking because of some grand, you know, desire to overthrow this fucking Western Christian world. It's not dog. The Western Christian world is collapsing upon itself. Right. The ideas, the, the idea of the Western Christian world are what is the fucking threat to the Western Christian world, as I've already mentioned to you. Okay. Now. The important point that I'm trying to make here then is of the important the importance of fucking language bro, and shaping this understanding and framing this understanding like you see me stumbling so fucking haphazardly through trying to even explain the fucking analogy without imposing on the fucking indigenous worldview an unfair um connotation, and that is that it's uh, what it's doing is inherently fucking evil or dangerous because that just <laughs> that feeds the fucking Western Christian world, right? That's exactly what they want. That's how they have built it. They are the ones that built this understanding into it. And I'm trying to, you know, clumsily stumble my way through the metaphor in such a way where I avoid all the trappings and pitfalls that they encapsulated this fucking indigenous world in to try to convey the point that I'm making to you. What is the point that I'm making to you? Again, the Western Christian world is going to... Sabrina is informed by the Western Christian world. So for them, you know, hell and heaven collapsing onto earth realm... It's fucking terrible because, you know, leads to their destruction or whatever. But in an indigenous worldview, so before I continue to the indigenous worldview, the way they've structured language and thus their reality is they see this kind of actions as being evil because they're detrimental to human, to, to humans on earth, right? But this is not an indigenous framework, as I've already mentioned before. Like, it's just the unfolding of dale. It's not agentive. It's not a fucking, it has no end goal, right? It's just unfolding. So if shit like that work occur... It's neither good nor evil because, again, those words themselves don't even exist in the Nahuatl understanding of reality. There's just the unfolding of Teot, and it's either in our benefit or it's not, okay? So the importance, then, of language of these words, okay, in shaping the stories that it is that we tell ourselves, okay? This is a core, core insight into indigenous thought, bro, the importance of stories and the overall effect that they have, not just on our understanding of reality now, but moving along into our own individual lives, bro, right? This language, it helps shape our reality and that the language that we use, more importantly, can either close off or reveal new and different competing worlds to us that have always been in existence. <laughs> like I'm, Just to tie it into the analogy that I mentioned earlier about time travel, you can literally fucking be a time traveler yourself right here, right now by divorcing yourself from the understanding that you think that we're living in the year 2021 and embrace an indigenous worldview and realize that maybe we're living in the year 10,500-ish, right? Or one of the other, many other epistemologies out there that'll have you whatever year they believe the world was created in. And just like that, as long as it's ahead of the fucking Christian world, you're in terms of, you know, linear time, right? You're already a time traveler, homeboy. And it's just because of the language that you use to fucking articulate that fucking thought. Now, obviously it takes a little bit more than that, okay? But the point that I'm stating is, like, it's the language. The language is the fucking bridge. It is the divide. It is what is shaping and building these fucking worlds. It is what's shaping and building the fucking little, what's destroying the fucking walls between these worlds, the language that we're using to convey with one another, okay? Everything about us, everything that we know about reality is given to us in story form that is informed by languages, right? Whether, again, it be the narrative or the, our scientific discourse is irrelevant, Right? So inherent in this is just like a little, another little wrinkle to the story is how, why it's so devastating when languages die because you're like, yo like languages build and construct worlds. And now that language is dead, which means a complete different other world that at one point existed or another no longer exists. And that's pretty fucking sad, right? Um, anyways, <laughs> and moving along with this particular story that I'm telling you today, right? Uh, one thing I have found is a parallel between the Western world and the indigenous world is that the existentialists in the western philosophy tradition they understood this full well okay and they rightfully recognized the way that stories can either empower us or diminish our agency okay <laughs> i just it makes me laugh because the story like obviously we've all been brainwashed with the western christian world and for some reason or another The idea that Christian people really, they're fucking really out here not eating shellfish because of a fucking story they were told, bro. Like, what the fuck? They're really out here hating gay people because of a fucking story they were told. This shit is absurd to me, bro. And like, you telling me all we got to do to fix that is to fucking change the story? Like, what the fuck? Anyways, the stories, bro, they ground us in reality and they give us a sense of belonging in the world, right? So are you telling me that all we got to do to make a more fucking inclusive world to people who have been historically marginalized by this Western modernist push of history is just fucking rewrite our story to include peoples that have been historically shit upon, right? To give them and us a sense of belonging in this world, right? Without which we'd straight up be out up in this bitch, right? (laughs) Going from nothingness and, you know, back again. What I mean by that is like, yo, we can write a complete different story, one that's going to inform our understanding of reality, One that, you know, is going to ground us in fucking existence, right? Instead of just fucking free-floating out in the infinite nothingness, coming from nothingness and fucking being lost in this motherfucker and then returning back to nothingness. Like the story that we tell ourselves in between that can be one of fucking hope and peace and joy and abundance. You know what I'm saying? And this is exactly what King is telling us, yo. He's telling us straight up that the martial and hierarchical nature of the Western world and by proxy civilization they are what are responsible for the social, the political, and the economic problems that we are facing, right? But these fucking problems, yo, they're created by mere chance. And the chance, of course, being that, you know, it's the story that won out for the past 500 years. But this says nothing more, this says nothing more, right? Or rather, this says nothing of an enduring or inevitable legacy, mind you, right? As these narratives, they can be easily changed We can change from this fucking macho, paternal, phallocentric, misogynistic, homophobic, transphobic, fucking racist uh, history story that we're telling each other and change it to one of, you know, hope and acceptance and love, most importantly, love, yo, right? And realistically, that's what the goal of decolonization is. So when, you know, just to tie it back into the beginning of this particular episode, when I state like, yo, I don't give a fuck where you're from, bro, like I don't care who you are. I don't like a backstreet voice, dog. I don't care who you are, where you're from, don't care what. Okay, you get the point, right? What I'm trying to say is like, it gets back to this. It's like, I don't give a fuck, honestly. Why? Because the story that I'm trying to tell is one predicated on love. It's not one predicated on exclusion. That's Western Christian shit, dog. Mine's predicated on fucking understanding the oneness, the collective oneness of all of humanity, of all of existence, Right? And the goal then, that's basically of decolonization is stating like, yo, there's a different world. It exists literally. Fuck, it's here. Like it's existing at the same fucking time as the world that we're currently living in. All we got to do is use these fucking tools, the language, the language is our tool to fucking make this world visible to the eyes of peoples who are, you know, blinded by their ideological lenses and have been unable to do so for no other reason and the story that they inherited to ground them in reality has fucking blinded them to this fact. Okay, <laughs> what King's gonna ask us? He's like, Joe, just consider the possibility of the creation of a story that privileged, or that was privileged in this country, right? That um, that of the Bible." He's saying like, "Yo, just consider this story, dog, that of the Bible, and you know, un- consider how it features this flawed being who was understanding and sympathetic." rather than rigid and autocratic, like the the Christian Bible, okay? One who along the path of creation not only got lost along the way, but was willing to accept help from others and ask us to consider what kind of world would we have been uh, created in the wake of such a figure? So what he's saying is like, yo, instead of having this rigid, autocratic, fucking vengeful God that shaped our fucking understanding of reality, this quote-unquote perfect God here in the Western world, That shapes your understanding of reality. Imagine instead if you had a sympathetic one. Imagine one that instead of being perfect actually got lost along the path of creation and was okay with being lost. And not only were they okay with being lost, they were okay with getting help from others along the way, right? What kind of world would we have if this was the fucking central force to the story that grounds our understanding, now, of course, this isn't the story, right? We got this bullshit puritanical one that saw the world at war. We saw, you know, this b- fucking Christian worldview. It sees the, uh, the world in terms of a holy war, right? That one that is both philosophical and physical, bro. Um, what I mean by this is like philosophically, God and the devil, quote unquote. This Western, once again, sorry about the break, but picking up where we left off philosophically. God and the devil, okay? These Christian people, they see them as engaged in a spiritual battle for the soul of all humans, okay? And humans, in turn, uh, they fought a physical battle that pitted God's troops, if you will, in this case, Puritans, but also Jordan Peterson and company, conveniently, (laughs) right? It's funny how they are fucking God's peoples according to their God, right, that they fucking created. And uh, it pits them against the quote-unquote devil mercenaries or us, right? <laughs> um, and what King's telling us is then that uh, when they were still in England, the devil took the form, if you will, of pomp of the Catholic Church and of the impurity of the Anglican Order. And just because they transplanted themselves to a new land didn't mean that they removed themselves from this fucking battle of, you know, them being the pure holy ones and everything else being evil, okay? Because how could they? Their shit, it's, you know, it's their ideology. It's the context that they're aware of that is filtering and shading their their vision of reality, a slight shade of purple, right? So what he's telling us then is that in that transplanting, they conveniently were blessed with the two things that they lacked in England, the land necessary to establish a community and more importantly, the room necessary to isolate this community so that the Quote unquote worldly influences that had plagued them in Europe, right, could be walled out, if you will, and the quote unquote forces of darkness and the wilderness that they conveniently defined could be kept at bay, if you will, right? Now, indigenous folk, of course, were seen as a threat to both. And so the Puritans, they set out about creating the stories necessary to justify their blatant fucking land grab and genocide, right? sowing in the minds of these quote-unquote new americans in and, and their psyche the ideas of native folk being merciless graceless and filthy savages that were the literal in their mind physical manifestation of the devil okay so what king is telling us is like just imagine like if they didn't think that like how cool shit would be right like but just imagine they were fucking not dickheads basically right they came up with a story that didn't see their god as this perfect person you know who made no mistake. like how about the mistake of you know enabling genocide that seems like a giant fucking fault in your god okay um and he's saying that's that's not what he says That's me telling you know you through his ideas that were introduced to me is like that's kind of fucked up and pretty imperfect okay um and what he's gonna definitely tell us is and just imagine if the story you told yourselves you being a christian folk right Um, who came from europe you had like a cool guy that wasn't a fucking asshole right that didn't enable rape and murder and genocide and torture like all that kind of shit right just because he conveniently through your stories about him defined the people that don't agree with him as evil like that's fucking nonsense okay and this is kind of where it comes back obviously to jordan peterson because he might not be explicitly stating it but as i mentioned again earlier in the podcast he's upholding that world and the history of it he's enabling it whether it's tacitly or implicitly doesn't fucking matter dog as long as he's trying to continue along this fucking battle that's what he's fighting for right and yeah i guess now seems about as good a point as any to go ahead and end the chapter if you will in this story for today we're about at the one hour mark so I appreciate your attention thus far, and uh, I won't keep it any longer. I am going to bring out, I'm fucking telling you now, dog, word is bond, homing. I'm bringing you another podcast in a short amount of time, right? Um, Until then, I appreciate you dropping in for this one. I hope you all have a great rest of your day, night, whatever it is, whenever it is that you're hearing this, and I'll see you next time. Peace.